the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Father, sanctify them by your word. Your word is truth. That's what we're looking at in the high priestly prayer of Jesus. Next, here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. To me, it's one of the sweetest passages in all of Scripture. It's where Jesus actually spends time talking to the Father about what really matters. He's headed to the cross. It's final thoughts, if you will, of a man going to die. So it's really quite important, isn't it? And this prayer is just dripping with insight, love, grace, and peace from Jesus, not only to his 12, but you and I as well. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Turn, if you will, to John 17. Jesus is in the upper room with 11 men. And they get to set in and hear him pray. He first of all prayed, Father, I have glorified you on earth because I did the work you wanted me to do. Now take me home. This challenge to every one of you is, Are you doing the work on the earth that God wants you to do that will glorify Him? That's the purpose for our existence, doing the will of God while we're on the earth. That's what Christ prayed. He did that will. He went home. Then he begins to pray for those 11 men in the room. And uh, he starts praying uh, for three things. Number one, that they would be protected by God. Father, keep them. Father, guard them. And uh, I struggled with that when I know that 10 of them were martyred. Maybe God didn't answer the prayer. They were all persecuted. They were all scattered. James is beheaded in Jerusalem. Peter's crucified upside down. Thomas has his brains beat out with a club. And you check on those 11 men, uh, it ought to scare you a bit. Says, is this the answer to the prayer? It was not to be kept from persecution or martyrdom because he said, you will be persecuted. What was he praying in that room they'd be preserved for that you keep them from the evil one that has picked off Judas? The son of perishing, the devil got permission entered him in John 13, and he did what he did. So Christ prayed for the other 11 men. Father, keep them. Keep them. I haven't lost them while I've been here. Now, without I'm about to go away, please keep these 11 men. Don't let any become a Judas. And God kept all 11 of them. They would rather die a martyr than to abandon Christ. So God answered the prayer. Now, today, we want to look at the second request. Next week, we'll look at his third request, what he prays for. The second request is found in 
Now, John 17, 17 through 19. Short passage. He's praying. Father, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I sanctify myself. ESV translates it, consecrate myself. That they also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctify these men in this room. Sanctify them. Uh, that, what does that mean? You know, uh, I grew up, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Well, most of us didn't even know what sanctified was, but it sounded good. What does sanctify mean? We want to look at that first. Unless we know what sanctify means, we don't understand the prayer. We don't even know what he's praying about. Two, I want to find out what mission he was concerned that they do. And thirdly, simple, who's going to do the mission? So the first thing you've got to get a handle on is what does he mean here? And I have to say, I, I love studying the Bible because if you don't come to it with prejudice, it might teach you something. Lewis Chafer said the greatest hindrance to Bible study is coming with preconceived notions of what it says. Why don't you come to learn it? Some of you, you've been wrong on your views for 20 years because you're not open to any new information. I change. And some folks say to me, what's wrong? I say, well, you change your view. I will continue to change it if I get more light. When's the last time you changed the view? I was with John MacArthur at a meeting, and someone said, you know what? Uh, he was teaching something. Said, uh, you, that's not what you wrote in your book. He said, first, I never read my books, and two, I'm not bound by them. <laughs> if God shows me something new now, I'm going to believe what I see now. And when I came to this word, sanctify them, uh, these were the concepts I had in my mind. I understand sanctify means to set apart. Set apart. And usually we use it set apart from evil, set apart from moral impurity, set apart from sin. And we, we have a whole theology of sanctification. God saved you, and he's in the process of changing you to become more and more like Christ. That's an ongoing thing. We never become sinlessly perfect. We hope to become more sinless I hope you sin less than you used to. If you haven't, you're not being sanctified. You might not even be saved. You can't be saved and not be changed. He, he's in the process. You think all that baggage you brought to the new birth, God said, I'm going to bless it. He's trying to get the gunk out and get the good in. And so we're in this process of becoming conformed to Christ, conformed to Christ. And this is a lifelong process of becoming like Christ. It will go on, go on until we see him. Wonderful thing. Justified in a moment, sanctified for the rest of your life. Eh, there's a sense you were sanctified in Christ. First Corinthians 1.30, Christ is our sanctification. And I, I hate to say it, that's why God named you a saint. See you. They're waiting to see if they saint some of these popes. You got sainted the moment you got saved. 
And sometimes we know if you're a saint or an ain't, but you're supposed to be a saint. A saint means set apart from the world, set apart for God. That's where, that's where he calls the Corinthian saints. Did they act like it? The sleeping with the wrong women? The suing one another? The divided? Wow, it's amazing what the saints can do. But their status is in Christ, and God wants to change those behaviors in us. But here is something interesting. He tells these men, I pray the Father will sanctify you like he sanctified me. The question is, what sin did Christ have to be separated from? None. Well, it must not be making more pure. When you're already God, you can't get any purer. And he said that in John 10, 34, that the Father has sanctified me when he sent me into the world. So the meaning in this verse is not our personal sanctification. It's not just uh, break away from sin of some sort. It's different. It's being set apart for sacred use. And it was used that way in the Old Testament. They... Uh, sanctified instruments, uh, censors. They sanctified animals. How do you sanctify a cow? You need to quit sinning? No, no, no. We took it out of secular usage. We took you out of just being a cow to being something offered to God as a sacrifice. This is the appeal of Romans 12. I beg of you, offer your body to God Take it from just secular usage to sacred usage. Give God yourself that God may sanctify you for a definite mission. The idea here is set apart for a mission. Set aside for divine use. But in the context, the sanctification of Christ, I've set myself apart to go all the way to the cross, all the way to the tomb, all the way back to heaven, I've been set aside for sacred usage. Now, Father, I'm praying you will set these men apart. Because when I leave, I'll have no other witnesses. I'll have no other preachers. I won't have iPhones. I won't have computers. I won't have publishing houses. I'll just have 11 men, tax gatherers, ex-fishermen, doubters, Sons of thunder, these 11 men are all I've got after three years of ministry and a 33 trip from heaven. This is all I've got. Don't let them give up the mission of making me known. I'll complete mine at the cross, but there will be work left undone that must be done through them. Sanctify them. Set them apart for a sacred mission. Joe Aldrich tells the story, quotes a fable, that when Jesus went back to heaven, the angels gathered around him. They were in awe that he had returned to the throne. Uh, they knew he had been absent from the throne for 33 years. He lived out here on the earth. And they came around him in majestic worship. And one asked him, says, Who is going to tell what all you've done, your humility? your crucifixion, the victory of your resurrection. Who are you? Who's going to get to tell this? How will it get out? 
And he said, I'm counting on them. I have no other. I'm counting on them. It's a good question to ask yourself. Can God trust you to do his will? Can God trust you to get the gospel out? 1 Thessalonians 2.4 said, you've been put in trust with the gospel. He told Timothy, keep the trust that's been put in you. And as a local church, can God trust us to get out the gospel about his son until he comes? Can he trust you with the mission? He's called us to it. So, I understand this word sanctified here as it's used of Christ and then applied. Lord, set them on a mission. Don't let them be detoured, distracted, or abandoned. May they complete the mission. The mission. It's powerful. And then he says the means of them doing that is use your truth. Now, uh, sanctify them by the truth. Thy word is truth. What was Jesus' name in John 1.1? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was being with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ was the Word. What was he to do in John 1.18? No man has seen God at any time, but the only Son has revealed or exegeted him. Jesus alone let out and revealed the Father, the truth about God. What did he say to Philip and Thomas in 14.6? Hey, have I been with you so long and you want to see the Father? I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I am the primary truth that I want you to look at in completing the mission. The truth that I came to do God's will, that I did God's will. I will even die for you men. For if I don't complete the will of God tomorrow afternoon on a cross, none of you men will I see in heaven. You're not going to heaven on the Sermon on the Mount. None of you have ever kept the Sermon on the Mount. You're not going to heaven keeping the law of Moses. No man has kept the law of Moses. We're all lawbreakers. You only get to heaven... Because he was sanctified to go all the way to a bloody death and set apart. The only way sinners get to heaven is if he's sanctified to go all the way to the cross. He kept the mission. And his truth, the truth revealed in him, the truth taught by him, and the truth modeled by him. He's saying to these men, men, let the truth you've seen in me, let the truth I'm telling you about, I'm going to be sanctified to die for you. Please let God capture you for this mission of making me known. Don't lose it. What is the mission? I see three things, three things in the mission, three R's to help you remember. When Christ came, his mission was to simplify it, three things. He came to reveal God in the flesh. I'm putting God on display. And he said, that's why, that's why he's called the Word. That's why I'm both in my words and my works, I'm manifesting the will of God. Two, Mark 10, 45, Matthew 20, 28. 
I have not come to be served, but to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. And ransom means a price that will unleash you from bondage. You know, when the kidnappers are quoting their price, the ideal is you give the money, we release your loved one. Christ said, I'm going to the cross to release those I save. He paid a ransom price, and the world has to know the ransom's been paid. All world religions are working their way to find acceptance with God. Only Christianity says everything needed to be done to go to heaven has been done. It's only waiting on you to receive it. The third thing is Christ actively reached out for people. He revealed the Father. He paid a ransom price. And he was actively seeking the lost, going to Samaria, going after the lost in Israel. The God, according to Luke 15, who throws a party when one sinner comes to repentance. This is a seeking God, a yearning God, a God of Matthew 23 that weeps over Jerusalem. Now he says to these men, I want you to emulate me in three areas. I want you to be the revealers of God to the world. They still don't know. There's Greece. There's Rome. There's North America, South America. Right now, the Son of God never got 50 miles out in his outreach. In three and a half years, he never ministered over 50 miles from where he's born. I want you to take God to the ends of the earth, and you will be the visible representations of him. Because just think of it. We've had God among us for 33 years, and John, 1 John said, and it's a perfect tension degree, we touched him, and we could still feel him, because it's a remaining verb. We saw him, and our eyes still see him. We heard him, and our ears are still ringing. We handled the word of life. We, we got our hands on him. But, whoa, he's gone. And for 2,000 years, God's been invisible again. We've got the Holy Spirit, but he's invisible. The only visible manifestation of God on the earth is his people. My people will be my witnesses. My people will be the living members of the body. They will give the visible outreach. Give you an example. In Acts 9, Saul is going down to kill the Christians in Damascus. And uh, the Lord confronts him, knocks him off that mule. And he's having a little conversation. And he says, when are you going to stop persecuting me, Saul? And Saul is basically saying, when have I ever persecuted you? When you persecute my people, you persecute me. You're persecuting me in the way you treated Stephen in Acts 7. In the way you're going to Damascus with letters to kill Christians. You know what? We're supposed to treat each other like Jesus would treat each other. We're members of the body, are we not? And what's my members for? Uh, my members are supposed to be the visible manifestation of what I'm thinking. Why did you do that? Oh, my hand just wanted to do it. Wait, wait. You've got, 
you've got brain neurological disorder. Well, he's out of control. Yeah. But I'm not, because my brain told me to do every movement. I look at some of you, you're spastic. Wait, 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 who's controlling your movements? Who's controlling how you walk? Who's controlling your attitude? I thought the head controlled the body. There's a lot of churches Jesus couldn't even get voted in. He said to the Laodicean church, I'm standing at the door knocking. I can't get in your board meeting. You don't want me. You like to use my name like a rabbit's foot, but I don't run anything at Laodicea. It's the rich, fat cats that need nothing that's running that church. I like to get in. He liked to get into your home. He liked to get in your checkbook. He liked to get in your life. The head, does Christ run you? Are you on his mission or on yours? It's like a guy some years back, in a good-natured way. He's just going on with me. And he said, you know, uh, you're never going to make any money. I don't know why that hit him. I guess he knew me well enough that he didn't think I was well-heeled, and I wasn't. He said, you know, it's too late for you to make any money. I was about 60. I said, well, I, 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 I agree. When, when, when was that my mission? Well, well, you know, you, you, how much you got, none of your business. Well, well when are you going to make the bonanza? I said, my mission was leading you to Christ. I led him to Christ. That's my mission. Chasing money, fools can do that. What about the mission of Christ? Of revealing Christ to telling the world the ransom's been paid. Everything necessary to throw the gates of heaven back and let a hellion like you in has been paid. Well, you offended my senses. West County, that talk doesn't bother anybody. Because we know we deserve what, not what heaven is like, but we deserved hell. Or if you don't know that, you need to know it. Read Romans 1 through 3. And then, and then, we want to reach people with this message. Those three R's. I want to reveal God. I want people to see God in me. Is that, is that an egotistical statement? Do people see God when they see you? Paul said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For I want Christ to be magnified in my body. Magnified, made big in my body. So when you see Paul, he's saying, I would love for people to say, I see a magnificent Christ. What about you? And he's telling these men, don't be picked off. Don't be distracted. Keep with the mission. You're the only ones I'm counting on. Can God trust us to keep the mission going? Now, what is the mission? Reveal God, tell them a ransom's been paid, and seek everything we can to reveal the truth about Christ. And this is Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Our time today spent in God's Word to encourage you, to bring you truth 
for today. If you have questions or comments about our time together, we would invite you to write to us. You can either visit our website and drop us an email, write to us via U.S. mail, or give us a call. As we close things out, I do want to turn things over to our executive producer just for a moment. Here's Chuck Ladabadir. Hello, Truth For Today listeners. My name is Chuck Ladabadir, and I've been the executive producer of Truth For Today since we've been on the air in 1996. There are a couple of needs I'd like to make you aware of. The first one is a prayer need. Our dear Pastor Phil had throat surgery recently, and the healing process has not gone as smoothly or as quickly as we had hoped. And so we're asking you to remember Pastor Phil in your prayers, that God would bring healing to his voice, that he might continue to proclaim the gospel using the tools that God gave him, his voice. The second need is a financial need. Because we haven't been able to do our fundraiser, there is a financial need. And we continue to proclaim the gospel and we, because we believe that God's using it to build up the body of Christ, to encourage the saints, and to challenge those who don't know him, and to offer hope to those who are in need of hope. We want to continue doing that because we believe that God's word will never return void. That's what he said. So we're asking you to partner with us at this time. After you've met your financial obligation at your local church, consider making a special gift to Truth For Today this year that we might continue to proclaim the truth for today. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. Year-end donations are always welcome. One-time gifts, monthly gifts, large, small, it all makes a difference. Reach out to us. Your tax-deductible donation can be sent to 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. The zip code is 94547. You can also donate online, valleybible.org, or call 855-833-9864, 855-833-9864. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, may Christ be your truth for today. Even